Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Hi, welcome to Countercharge. My name is Drew Allen. And I'm Jeremy Duvall. Welcome! I'm excited uh, to have the creator of the very hot and new, it's so hot right now, (laughs) YouTube channel. Drew, how you doing, Drew? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on here. So, uh, so bizarre. I was at work the other day listening to your podcast and I get home an hour later, I get a message from you. Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm like a, um, a voracious devourer of all things uh, Kings of War. YouTube's, like, Ooh, new content. Yeah, YouTube content. It well, it is, in Kings of War, I've always called sort of the Goldilocks game where it's not too big. It's not too small. It's just the right size. But I'm very rarely when I'm clicking on YouTube or something, do I see Kings of War from a channel that I've never seen anything from. Something new, yeah. 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 Um, So when I saw that, I watched the first episode, and we'll get into more of it a little bit later. But uh, I was just like, oh, wow, this is pretty slick. I got to get this guy guy on the show. So thank you. I really appreciate it. And also, too, you're kind of in my neck of the woods, right? Pacific Northwest guy up in um, Canada. So yep. we, uh, Ryan yep. Munsell and I always talk about how we kind of envision the West and Pacific Northwest as like one super region and that we try to cross pollinate as much as we can. But before we get into that, why don't we just go ahead when we have someone on the show for the first time, we like to do a little bit around their sort of gamer origin story. So take us through sort of how you got into miniature gaming and then maybe a little bit on how you found Kings of War. I probably started Warhammer when I was like, 13, 14 years old. Back then, it was Warhammer Fantasy, 40K, and Gorka Morka, and we had no idea what we were doing. We had that little cheat sheet of rules, and we probably thought we knew how to play, but I think we were just moving models around at that point. (laughs) And we were lucky enough to have parents that spoiled us with GW products. Yeah, I remember walking into GW when I was like 13, 14, and it it was pretty magical. And from then on, I was just begging the parents for new stuff. And uh, so that lasted a little while. And then it completely dropped off the map till I was like 25. And then I kind of just, I saw some 40K stuff. I got curious about it and uh, checked out the local gaming stores. And I sort of started to try and get into 40K. I got a whole army going. I painted it and I never played a game. And then it fell off the map again. And then I got introduced to War Machine. It was like one of those leagues where you just start with a couple points. Uh, Like an escalation league, basically? Yeah, exactly. Um, So I tried that at the game store. I fell in love with it. I met a ton of awesome new people. Really clicked with these guys. And it just blew up. And I got into competitive War Machine, which I loved. I played that for a while there. That died out, and I think... I, I kind of game hopped a little bit. I went into Age of Sigmar after that, which was all right. And during my game hopping process, I had this group of friends, this good group of friends who were playing Kings of War on the side. And I would kind of go from game to game to game, sort of like seasonal games. 
uh, like I'd get into them, but they just wouldn't stick. But I noticed these guys just, they just kept playing Kings of War and that went on for like a year. And I was like, okay, there's gotta be something to this game. Cause it's, they've been into it for all this time. Because that's the thing about gaming, right? I, I think that being a lover of miniature gamers, I know a lot of gamers who are like that, who they'll play, oh, I'm going to play, you know, like you've War Machine, or I'm going to go, I'm, I'm in really into Infinity for three months, or like, I'm really into Crisis Protocol for, for uh, whatever. And I think with Kings of War players, you find a lot of them, they still do that, uh, those games on the side, but it's like their main squeeze game. I've found that a lot of people get into it, have, have been into it this entire time since, since I first got into it. Yeah. And that's been my case ever since I started, everything's just kind of fell by the wayside, but more so for me, like I've discovered that it's not about the game at all. Like I, I don't even really care about the game. It's the people that I'm playing with. If the community mm -hmm. is awesome, then I'm going to enjoy myself. But Kings of War just happens to be awesome too. It's quite the combo. I always think it's a it's a it's a rule set that attracts a certain type of player. I think too, and so I think that the when you talk about how great the community is, not to be a homer because I'm you know love the community and part of the community. I really think it's a game that attracts a certain type of player that wants a strategic game and is more focused on you know not necessarily wanting to beat you in the list phase, but wants to beat you in the actual phase of the game. So I found too, just in general. I'm more likely to have a good Kings player as when I play other miniature games, I don't quite know as much what I'm going to get. I don't know if it's just my area, but it seems to be a more mature crowd. Yeah. Um, and that's in the, Victoria, right? The greater Victoria Yeah, Vancouver area? Island. Vancouver so Island. Okay. Western Canada. I, I said I was never going to get into Kings of War until I bought a 3D printer. And I remember the last model I bought, the last physical model I ever bought was Marathi for an Age of Sigmar set. Mm -hmm. And it was like 150, 160 Canadian. And oh, yeah, you got to pay the, you got to, you got to pay the moose money up there. So. Also the Island tax. That's a thing <laughs> too, right? Tax too. Right after that, I hopped into Kings of War and I bought a, like a Mars two. And I remember printing an entire undead army. I didn't know anything about the game. I was just printing the cool stuff. Yeah. And it cost me like two bottles of resin, which was far less than that single Marathi model. So it's mm -hmm. like, Okay. So has that been a journey in and of itself? Like, uh, I know a lot of the, the friends and people when we've talked to on the show before about resin printing is they often will refer to it as like a hobby onto itself. Oh, you know, 100%. Where you got to, like, each resin is different. You know, you, you, you got to, is that's been your experience? It's been like a journey mastering? Yeah. I, well, I just love getting into new hobbies and I really delved deep into the resin printing. I, I really enjoy it. I've had like four of them now. And I've printed, it's funny, we were at the club night last week playing Kings of War. And I've just gone through so many armies and sold so many armies for just like the cost of resin, just because I something new piques my interest. So I'm like, does anyone want this army? It's fully painted. But anyway, we had like three out of the four tables. People were using my old armies. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel funny. like I'm kind of fueling the community with my my addiction your add your add yeah. miniature addiction. add it's pretty bad <laughs> well at least it's you know it's going to good homes i mean at least like you say it's like you know you're still contributing to your the the scene uh, my latest army that i sold i i printed it for the last tournament and i had one practice game and then i went to the tournament used it did really well i think i got like third and then i sold it but I sold it to a, a guy that was just getting into the game and he's, 
he's loving the game now. So that that's awesome. So uh, you're playing up there with, isn't there like, uh, talk to me a little bit about, because I know I've talked to Ryan and then also I've talked to Dan Miner lately. It sounds like the Canadian Kings of War scene is, is, is doing pretty good right now. Talk a little bit about like, um, how is the scene just in general up there been going for Kings lately? Super good. There's a club night every other weekend and we usually have five tables going. I like to host games at least once a week. We have a Kings of War Facebook chat group that's just blowing up nonstop. Mostly me. I spam the chat a lot. Yeah, it's funny. It's like it's like if only it's you talk about that. And I think, you know, Felix has been on the show before and talked about the secret chat cave Facebook chat group. I know I have uh, in California, we have the sweat lodge, as we call it, which is like the chat group for the competitive players. Uh, in the side so it'd be so funny just to see like how many spread throughout the country are these little kings of war like yeah. facebook uh, like, got, uh, think think camps or what do you what, whatever you want to call them then you got um, these little sub chats right yeah uh, where i'm on a, like a little kings of war team within the community brian who was on the stream invited me to his kings of war team he calls it eagle fan karate oh nice that's why we were rocking the shirt he's like uh-huh. the only thing you need to do is buy a shirt and the only thing you get out of it is free transportation to the tournaments. So I'm like, I'm in. Hey, that works, man. That's like <laughs> yeah. that sounds like a pretty good deal. Oh yeah, I guess wear an awesome shirt and I get free rides. Why not? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just so happy to hear that the scene up there is going good. I know um, I saw a tournament uh, recently in Portland, and it was like a pretty good side, but but it was all new names. So I know in like the Portland, Seattle, their scene is going good too. But it's a lot of newer players. How how are you guys up there? Are you excited that you're going to actually have Masters up there, and that for those that didn't qualify, here's the best of the rest—a great opportunity to take part in Masters. Are you guys excited about that? Uh, super excited um, for a bunch of us. This is just our first competitive season and a couple of us happen to qualify, which is really cool. Uh, and it just happens to be close to us. Couldn't be any luckier, really. So I can't miss this opportunity. And uh, those of us who didn't qualify are going to the best of the rest. Super excited. So on the first day, a masters usually play four games and best of the rest play three games. So in the fourth game, they come and like watch all the games and like are like, aha, you guys still have to play. So even though this year, though, I think we're doing three and three on Saturday and Sunday, I want to say. Three sounds perfect. We do four day events here. Four is a bit much for me. Some serious fatigue settles. Yeah, in. four in one day. I mean, it's still no Warhammer where you, you could play three games in a day and be like, kill me now. But four games, even at Kings, is you're tired. And then also, too, it cuts into your nighttime because you want to be able to hang out with uh, everyone and play board games and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm tired on game three. Game four, I'm hysterically laughing at silly things. <laughs> but it's a good time. So, do you know what you want to take the Masters? Are you, are you, do you have some hobby stuff you got to finish or have you thought about it? I'm back to the dwarves, and that was my first army. I've stopped the the army hopping. Um, I was pretty bad with it. When I had all the printers, I pretty much played a new army for each tournament I went to. That's how bad it was. But I've actually sold all of my 3D printers temporarily to in order to fund all the camera gear for the stream. Uh-huh. Cool. Which is a blessing in disguise. It's it's kept me grounded and focused on dwarves. Yeah, I mean, and, and that can be good sometimes. I think that uh, the more reps you can get with an army, because it's not just you playing the army, it's you playing the army against X, Y, and Z. 
and it's the better prepared you're going to be. And you learn all these little niche nuances mm-hmm. through repetition, right? And do you enjoy painting? Are you like a hobby guy too? Or are you more focused on playing tabletop? Or... I do not enjoy painting. I, okay. I love the feeling of having a finished product. I batch paint all my armies and it feels so good when I accomplished it. But the yeah. process, I'm not crazy about. So contrast paints have been amazing for me. I bet, right? So you're more about, you You love playing with the fully painted army, but it's it's the journey up the hill to get there? Yeah, I love feeling immersed. So I, I love a gorgeous table, gorgeous terrain, fully painted armies. And, and I'm... A, like I'll I'll paint a model and be like, oh, this is pretty terrible. Hold on, let me just hold it out a bit further. Oh, it looks good at arm's length. This oh, it's is, the three foot rule. Good. It's all about the three foot rule, which is if it looks good at three feet away, you're good to go. Yes, and when I highlight, I go like four steps up in brightness instead of one, try yeah. to make things pop. And once it's all based and it looks uniform, it just looks awesome. You don't have to be a great painter to achieve that. And I've always been a fan of that style over, and I think if you look at it, there's definitely like a, a, I'm entering this one model into a paint competition style versus I want my army to look good. There's like two different sort of genres of painting, right? Different worlds. Completely different worlds, right? And And I think there's people who excel at, at, at both of those sort of genres, but they are different. And Kings of War really lends itself to the arms reach style because you're looking at the whole multi-base as a whole, right? And the basing and how everything looks together. And if you want, you can only highlight the stuff on the outside. Yeah, I'm kind of like, you know, when I grew up, I was all just about like, uh, I don't care. I'm going to play on this floor with coins and wasn't like... I I was always more frustrated painting as a as a kid and a teenager than enjoying it because I was just so frustrating. Painting is really hard, and then once you sort of figure it out, it gets a lot easier. But I remember I would like, oh, I need Bretonian peasant bowmen. I'll cut them out on a piece of paper. But now as I've gotten like old and curmudgeonly, I love playing. Like I want to play on a table with full terrain, with fully painted armies. You know, it's one thing if you're testing a list, but outside of that, it's just such a uh, uh, a more uh, holistic or I guess a more visceral experience when you're playing with the grandeur of like a fully painted, nicely trained table. Yeah, that's one of the things that kind of rubbed me the wrong way about War Machine when I was into it is we were using 2D tra- terrain. So yeah, the potential the, the, wasn't the technical, clear. right? You the competitive so aspect yeah. was there, but I, I need a bit of immersion too. And I'm yeah. not like a like a role player, so I don't play D and D to get my fix for that. I I do like the competition, but I also like feeling immersed. So mm-hmm. Kings of War is perfect. Yeah, and I know a few War Machine players who have come to Kings of War who like. Um who are the more middle of the road where they, they want that grandeur, but they like the cleanliness and preciseness of the rules of Kings of War. So I think I, I have, there's a few players I know who have made the switch for War Machine. Awesome. Well, I'm still working on the Twilight Kin. Uh, that's what's on my hobby hobby table right now. I am, um, that's the army I want to take the Masters, but I'm just, each day I have a calculated, I was like, okay, it's X amount of days to Masters to the like the Thursday that I leave for masters. I have this amount of models to finish. So I need to be finishing 1.26 models per day. 
so I'm trying to by the end of the week have finished whatever so that by the time the time comes like the army is finished because I've actually been testing this list that I'm taking the masters usually I just kind of I take an army that I'm familiar with but it's like what do I have done I'll take that and this masters I wanted to go with like actually having played I've played this list like 40 times I played it against every army in the game just to like see what that is like if it if, if it even makes a difference to go like having been practiced and prepared but mm-hmm. do you play unpainted models to, just to practice uh usually see the thing with me which is i'm so sad is i don't really have a lot of local players near me so pretty much all my practice oh. games are on ub for the most okay. part and then tournament games so on ub i'm practicing using just ub use whatever and then tournament i'm taking whatever i have painted so i mean sometimes we'll throw out the blank bases if i'm down visiting the socal guys we have a a good player base in socal but um right now local to me i've had a bunch of people move and then like uh, it would be my luck that like there's there's like one sort of alcove of ninth age and it's in the bay area where i live uh so i've tried to kind of get those guys in the kings of war i was like oh this game is great and it's not a fan made and there's a company supporting it and come play with me and they're kind of just like people who are in the ninth age i found are really into it you know so just hardcore yeah they're just yeah. that's their game they've they've made it themselves dated on the past <laughs> yeah exactly they're just like i'm this is the hill that i'm gonna die on and i'm gonna play this game and i mean more power to you, you. Know, why I don't tried... you come down this hill there you'll get thunderous yeah exactly seriously and I try to be like, uh, I try not to be, because uh, I have a bunch of friends who, who, again, my local gaming group who love Song of Ice and Fire. And I suck, like, I can't get them. I, I, you know, and I'm like, this game is so good. But I try not to judge other, like, play whatever, play the game you love, you know, uh, whatever it happens to be. It's just hard when you feel that you're, and I think all of us feel this way in miniature gaming. The game that you're into, you always feel this is the game that everyone should come play because it's the best. It's true. I've always felt that way. No matter what, no matter what you're playing, you know, it's like whatever you're into at that moment. Yeah. I think the biggest lure is the community. Like if you have a great group of guys that are playing lots, if you can find a game Mm -hmm. like within a day's notice, then that's, that's going to pull people for sure. And luckily for us, that is the case. You can just say in chat, Hey, I'm looking for a game. Sometimes you can even say tonight or after work and, you'll find someone. Yeah. It's like, I have the meme right now from I don't like, me to rub friends. in. I know I have the meme from friends where Jennifer Anderson is like, I'm not at all jealous or whatever it is. It's like, you know, not at all jealous, but I just, you know, it's just hard uh, uh, through painting and the podcast and doing all the master's chair stuff. It's hard to find time to also try to run like local demos and stuff. So that's the thing I run into sometimes where it's if you're the only person, it's hard to be all things to all people as far as like building a community. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another big reason I started streaming and just trying to grab more people into the game. I think we had uh, 16 people show up at our last little tournament and it was kind of a last minute one. So no, that cool. is great. I mean, if you're in the 12 to 16 range, was it a one day? Yeah, we only do one days. Yeah. yeah. But even that, that's like when you start hitting the 12 to 16 people of just local guys, that's when it's starting to, I feel like you're really starting to get a good scene because then that way, if you do decide to run a two day or something and you can have people travel, if you have that many local players, you just need a few people from outside to come. And next thing you know, you're hitting 20, 25 people, which 
I have, I almost think that's like the sweet spot. Rob and I talk a lot about that at all. Like what's the perfect amount of players at a tournament. And I just love the like 25 to 30 in that it gives you the feel of being in a bigger event, but you get to hang out with everyone. It's not like a hundred people. Yeah. The guy that ran the last event, Gareth, um, he also qualified for masters. Um, he had this great idea. We get a lot of people from Vancouver, which is the mainland on Canada, uh, ferry down to join our tournaments. He made uh, like a special prize that only they're eligible for. Oh, cool. Kind of like incentive for them yeah. to come. A little bit of a bonus because we is really there, appreciate is, that. Is there a bridge from where you guys are or do you have to take a ferry? Uh, it's, it's a ferry. It's an okay. hour, 45 minute ferry. Uh, so I've, Very been to Canada, I've been to Canada one time to Cortez Island. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar. That's sort of kind of in your neck of the woods, I think. Yeah, um, pretty close. For whatever reason, there was a bunch of people that from Marin County, where I grew up in, who during the 70s to like dra- or the Vietnam War to dodge the draft all moved to Cortez Island in Canada. So there's like uh, this one pocket that a, lo- a bunch of kids I went to high school all had family like living on Cortez Island. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I will remember that trip forever because it was the time I was introduced to LeBlot Blue and was like 18 years old and that was the drinking age in canada and oh man i got so drunk i'll never forget that trip and now but, do you hate that beer uh, basically yes or it was it was that and it was like you know it was the combination of that and like coconut rum so it's like i can't have any coconut rum you know how you smell that smell or whatever even i got gotcha. now i know exactly what you mean Well, awesome. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back on the other side, we're going to hear all things King's Retreat. So we will be right back. Hello, this is Duncan Rhodes from the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy. And I hope you're about to apply a second thin coat just there whilst you're listening to Counter Charge. Do you take delight in playing with friends and their toys in a safe place free of judgment? Counter Charge After Dark. It's where magic happens. Check the show notes and Facebook group announcements for the Discord link. And we are back. Um, so uh, I'm curious, uh, you know, we ha- first off, you know, we, we already have some Kings of War YouTube content, you know, like we have the Master Crafted guys. Uh, I know the Victoria Wargaming guys were starting to do stuff. Um, what first uh, prompted you to want to do YouTube content uh, for Kings of War? Um, I'll give you the short answer first. It combines a lot of my interests into one. And uh, the long answer is like uh, I, when I was playing Age of Sigmar probably like two years ago, I, I was really into mini wargaming videos because they had the beautiful table. They had the beautiful terrain. They had the epic music going on in the background and every video was different. And I'm like, I really want that for my garage games. Uh, I went out and started looking at acquiring some terrain. I think I went to GW and I saw like there was like a portal set for like 70 bucks. I was like, okay, if I want to do this, this is not the way. And that's when I got my first uh, filament 3D printer. I got an Ender 3. And I started printing off my first trees and I was blown away when I was like, this is not quick enough. I need a forest. So I got three of them and I probably started printing terrain nonstop for at least a year. I'm not exaggerating. (laughs) 
Um, I was just knocking out buildings so quick. I could not paint them quick enough. So I got this local painter friend. Uh, he does his commission painting normally. And I was like, hey, I will give you, I will print off two buildings. If you paint me one of them, you can have the other one. I had that going for a while. He printed or painted me like two full towns worth of buildings. And he, I think I burnt him out. I was just going too quick. He's like, I can't do it anymore. I can't. So anyway, so my collection of terrain is really big. And I've also been acquiring like neoprene mats over time. So I've got quite a few of those. So I've got the, the terrain down. I've got mats, um, which are all great for the stream. Um I'm and then what, what caused you to, uh, was there thinking of, uh, am I going to do, you know, edited battle reports or if I'm going to live stream, was there like a debate in your head when you were thinking about that? Were you, were you always going to go the live stream route? I want to start with live stream because I'm just learning everything now and learning to edit is a skill that'll take time. I think, uh, live stream, it's kind of like one and done. You, you do all your setup beforehand, right? Yeah. I think editing that's more advanced for sure. I'm I, I am looking to learn to edit. I'm excited about that. I like dipping my toes into new things. I think I'm gonna do a little mini series of like meet the player and they're just gonna be two minute shorts of the people that come on the stream, having them answer some basic questions like how did you get into the game? What's your favorite thing about the game? Yeah, stuff like that. Just like make minute and a half yeah, that's or two. Cool. That's a cool idea. Just to get get people uh, acquainted with the people. When I was watching one of the streams, I was like, you know, not only is the live stream fun because you get to, uh, you know, uh, participate or chat or whatever. I also having lots of experience editing, not video, but editing sound for the podcast of being like, it like came to be like, oh, also when you live stream, you don't have to edit. So yeah. like all these hours back to you. No homework. Once you're done, you're done. Right. Um, so yeah, I got the terrain. I got the, I got, I have a pretty cool table going. I have all the mats. Um, I work with graphics for a living. So I'm a, I'm a pre-press manager at a print shop. So I do a lot of design work. So mm. I enjoy making the overlay and stuff and working on the logos. And I've always wanted to learn how to do like little animations. And so the helmet logo for your channel, was that something that you did? Uh, some of it I commissioned out on Fiverr because I was kind cool. of crunched for time. Like I didn't do the animations. Uh, most of the money I put into Fiverr was a waste because <laughs> I, I was asking for really custom stuff. And I've come to discover that people on Fiverr, most of them aren't really designers. They're, uh, they have like templates of stuff. Oh, I got gotcha. you. They can do. And if you ask them to do something that they don't have a template for, it may not be the best. So I got some cool stuff out of Fiverr, like little cartoon logos I have on the Facebook banner that was commissioned. And like the the new, I don't know if you saw the last stream, but the routed animation and the yes. weird animation, I had that done. I'm pretty happy with that. And uh, the stinger transitions between scenes, I had that done. I am looking to learn how to do that stuff, but I kind of wanted to get the ball rolling, so... Well, I think and the thing that first drew me to your channel was just the how how good it looked. And that's the one thing. I think we have a lot of great Kings of War YouTube content, 
but uh, we don't have anything that is consistent or that maybe is done like at the like you mentioned mini wargaming or what I think of I think of tabletop tactics or tabletop titans or you know the other 40k yeah you know who who have like real real production value in their yeah like that 40k in 40 minutes and stuff yeah I felt that King's War really needed that there was a space for it and I've also been learning about cameras which I really enjoy it's pretty so Pretty talk deep. about that. What is your piece right now? You have sort of, if you haven't seen the uh, channel yet, which you guys were all remedy after you listen to this, you'll go subscribe and watch. You have sort of the one camera that gives you the battlefield. And then you have your one camera over the dice. What sort of cameras are you using? So the main camera is a Panasonic GH4. This is a, a popular camera among like new filmmakers because it's got like unlimited recording time. It does 4K. It doesn't have, uh, it has a clean HDMI signal. So, you know, if you look at a camera, you look at the screen, you see a bunch of info at the top and bottom. Yeah. Uh, stuff about your aperture or your ISO, uh, you know, just details. Um, a lot of cameras that will show on screen if you try and capture the video the camera so there's something called clean hdmi it sends a clean clean picture to your computer so anyway that that was just kind of a cheap buy-in to get 4k going there's like an elgato website that shows a list of cameras that have all the important supported features and i was kind of just hunting the facebook marketplace for a couple weeks and if any of those popped up i was going to jump on it so i ended up with that one and it's been great. Um, I have just a, a Logitech webcam for the dice box, which, and I, I also have a, I had a third camera, like a, a Sony 1080p one for the list discussion screen where you see us talking. Yeah. Um, I have since updated that to a second Panasonic GH4 yesterday. So now I have two of the 4K cameras going. And I have some some fun plans for that second one. I was thinking nice. of doing like a top down. Yeah, because I think the one camera. And I was gonna make a special macro that I hit a button on a little Bluetooth numpad. It'll switch to that top down view for maybe like twenty to thirty seconds, just to give the viewer like a nice strategic gauge of what's happening, and then it'll pop back to the main scene. So I'm gonna try and get that going. Yeah, I think that would be cool. I think that's the one thing that and watching it would be nice is if there was either the top down camera or like a, we're going to be focused on this area for a while, switch to a camera that had a, a different or closer view. You know what I mean? So that's cool that you have you in your head, you sort of have things in the works on how you want to always be working on it, you know, improving the channel, even though of course you've just started, but you already have in your head some stuff you want to try out. Oh yeah. I'm super excited about it. I have so many ideas and, and it's just a hobby for me, right? I'm just doing it cause it's fun. I, I don't think it's ever going to make money. I don't really plan to try and make money out of it. So I'm just trying to make it as awesome as possible just for the fun of it. Um, I'm excited to do like seasonal streams. I want to get some, uh, you know, in the overlay sides, I want to have some snow coming down in December yeah, uh, I want to use snow mats. I have all this sweet winter terrain because I play Frostgrave on the side. So that'll be fun. And like you said, I think it's a space that um, for live games, you know, especially with 
dash 28 and sort of people moving away from playing ub as much you know we there was during the pandemic we had pandemic we had like every sunday there was a, some dash 28 tournament or some streamed game on dash 28 so it's nice again to know that like on uh, on sunday so far so far they've both been on sundays right is are you going to keep doing it on that day for no specific reason it has been on sundays so okay. i don't really know unfortunately my wife got covid today so i'm gonna have to cancel next stream because uh one of my guests is immune compromised i can't really subject them to that so temporarily delay going on there but uh i mean i could do weekdays i could really do any day i just need like two evenings of prep before a stream i just think it's kind of nice to have it on a weekend day i mean i i guess you don't have to watch it live you can re-watch it later but it was fun to be like getting sitting down for my painting day and uh be able to watch a game you know while painting yeah yeah i think a lot of people are hobbying right yeah and um i was super interested in making it happen in 4k because i'd I think a lot of people are looking down doing their own thing and they're looking up every now and then and i thought it would be cool if you if it was crystal clear and you could really gauge what's going on when you look up instead of just through audio oh. so hopefully i've achieved that and then talk a little bit about um so so far the guys that have been on the channel uh have are just a couple guys from your local scene do you have people that you're excited to have are you open to like if you have people like I would love, like if I'm up in your neck of the woods to get a game in, are you open to like other people coming by or how have you been thinking about who's going to be on the street? Yeah, hundred percent. I would love people from out of town to hop on. That would be really cool. However, I do have a ton of local people that will probably come on. <laughs> like, I don't think I'm going to run out of people anytime soon. Everyone's chomping at the bit. I wouldn't say that, but they're used to being on stream. They they hop on the Victoria Wargaming stream often, mm -hmm. so it's going to be a lot of the same people. I know Brian's itching to get back on because Brian's—he's a winner, and he isn't—he had two unfortunate games on stream. He's not used to losing, so he wants to get back on. And <laughs> he's like, "I gotta, I gotta vindicate myself." <laughs> yeah, he's—he's uh -oh. he's not bringing his good lists. Yeah, well, and I think he saw it in the last game. Uh, I think he was a step behind at, from the deployment zone based on what scenario they were playing. And he just he, couldn't get the resources. And then, he, you know, uh, once he got those skeleton regiments, they were playing push across. I mean, there was just nothing he could do at that point. Yeah, he's been saying he lost that game in deployment. He's I think so. Himself. Oh, a couple of days ahead, I set up the table and I take a photo of the table and I roll a dice and I say, pick high or low. I make them choose sides beforehand. Uh, gives them gives me a chance to set up the overlay and it gives them a chance to think about it and he didn't think about it <laughs> next time he's going to yeah because i felt in that game if he had from the beginning sort of realized okay i deployed really badly i'm going to turn my middle to the right like taking his paladins and his ogres and just not got bogged in that forest and instead just went straight to go kill the skeletons with the other objectives uh, yeah, I, I think th he was worried about that cavalry flanking him. Yeah, and that 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 is that 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 definitely is a worry. I just think that his all his speed elements got neutralized so well that at that point I'm I would probably have been like, okay, I have to kill these guys. Or like, how do I compete in this scenario? Uh, but it was a, f a fascinating game. Um, 
both game, both your guys, the two stream games ha have been good so far. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. So if people want to find you, they want to find the YouTube channel, like what's the best, is there a Facebook page? Is there, is there, or do they just search on YouTube or how can our audience find your uh, page? I don't have a Facebook page. I suppose just direct messaging me on Facebook is fine. Just Drew Allen. If you have any questions about cameras, I'd be happy to help. Yeah, because I know that was some questions we asked our audience some questions, and that and we've gone over it as sort of what cameras you guys are using. Yeah, streaming in 4K has been kind of an unexpected rabbit hole. I I didn't know it was gonna require so much when I first got into it. To be honest, if I had known, I probably wouldn't have done this in the first place. But I'm here now and happy. But like, I was what, like, what would you have told yourself? And you can tell the other people interested in maybe getting some doing some yeah. content of their own, what could you tell yourself? What would you tell yourself if you so could the, go back in the time? The camera is not all you need. So getting the 4K capable, capable camera is important, yes, but lighting is probably the most important thing. You need a lot of lighting for a good picture. You need a micro HDMI for your camera. You need a 4K capable capture card. If you're going to stream in 4K, you need a 4K monitor for your computer. You're going to need a lot of USB ports and HDMI ports in your computer. So a laptop is probably not going to work. You're going to need hardwired internet. I ended up getting an electrician in to get my garage internet. And probably quite good internet. So it's something that... Uh, a lot and of I extension think, cables. <laughs> yeah. And I think you see it like... Uh, to do things well, sometimes it takes work, right? To where if if it was easy to do everything, everything would be so amazing. I mean, that's where I know sometimes people will ask us, like, uh, how do you do a podcast? And we'll share them all the details. And then they're like, well, how long does it take? And it's like, well, you know, for me, it takes double to triple the time to edit an episode that it's it's end recording time is so if you have an hour episode, it's probably taking me three hours to edit. So in total time, it's four or five hours. And sometimes uh, people are like, ooh, that's a lot of time. And you're like, yes, yes, it is. Yeah, I think you need to love it, right? Because there's yeah. a lot of back-end stuff. And if that's fun to you, that's great. Like, uh, I've been having a lot of fun. With that second stream there, I was, it was, the scenario was push. And I was trying to think about how I could make, how could I design a mini-map that would really explain what push is. And I had a lot of fun doing that, uh, creating the big fat arrows and putting the loot on it. And I was like, this makes sense, right? Get the get the loot to the other side. And then I, I kind of branched off from there. And I was like, I can go a step further. I can make little loot markers that I can drag around to, so people can see where the loot is. It's crystal clear. That could be fun. And, yeah, I really like that. Like you, you had little markers on the unit carrying the tokens so you knew where they were i mean so so far in the, in the two games you guys have streamed so far you played in one and then were sort of the host uh running the second one uh was one like were they both fun do you see yourself doing a little bit of both maybe playing sometimes and then other times being like kind of behind the camera interacting with the chat or where do you see that sort of evolving if i can find two guests i'm going to be behind the camera just because i can get a lot more done as far as like you know loot token for an example, like I'm, I'm not really going to be able to achieve that stuff if I'm playing. I, I have gone to some lengths to add 
some fluff like that when I am playing, um, like the new routed and waiver animations. I bought this little keyboard that has two buttons. It's hilarious. Um, and I've macroed the routed and wavered to them. And I bought a really long USB extension cable <laughs> and I routed it all the way to the dice box. So when I'm playing, if I route or waver someone, I can just hit the button from uh, there. That's and you're routing. It's been fun. <laughs> it is really satisfying to hit that button. I was initially trying to get like a giant red buzzer button that you could just smack because it would just be fun to do, right? Yeah. But couldn't couldn't make that happen, unfortunately. <laughs> And it looks like, you know, being the, the the presentation level, if you want, you've told the local group, you want to be on my channel, your army better be fully painted. Is that is that the deal here, I hope? That wasn't the original plan, but it's, uh-huh. <laughs> it's kind of ended up that way. Just I didn't really expect people to enjoy it so much. I, I honestly thought it was just going to kind of be like our local group tuning in to catch games that they weren't able to attend or or play in but i guess a lot of people like it so i want to keep the the standards high now well i mean the first stream i saw uh as of a little bit had 975 views and then you got your one from a couple days ago was almost 400 which in the youtube in like the you know the scale of youtube is small but when you're thinking about day one or two of like uh, I mean, I, I would think you're you're happy with those numbers and the feedback you've gotten so far. Yeah, it's been great. It's kind of fueling me to do better, which is fun. Um, I would love to be able to show people a fresh new mat and a fresh set of terrain every single stream. So I'd hope I hope to get to that point. I have like six mats right now. Mm-hmm. I need to get a couple more. Army wise, I know you said you had kind of scaled back a little bit. Are you just going to kind of like stick with the dwarves and just rely on your sort of local community to supply different armies? Because I found that too, when uh, some of the content channels, you love them to death, but every week you turn in, it's the same army against the same army because that's the armies they have. Yeah, I'm not really worried about that. Um, We have a lot of people so that I can get on. And for the record, I really appreciate my buddies coming on. They deserve like most of the credit they're bringing the beautiful armies and they're bringing their beautiful personalities so i'm super thankful to any of my friends that want to pop on just want to throw that out there <laughs> yeah because i think people want to watch that too they want to watch interest uh, people who engage with each other and have a fun time and you know there's always stuff that happens in the game like someone survives when they shouldn't so you start creating the story as you're playing about sergeant guy who did this amazing thing and i mean we're all playing like i I know when i play miniature war games i'm playing a movie in my head and the war game is like what's happening so that vibe i've like gotten from your gaming group is that sort of like when you're talking about creating narrative when you play is is that oh sure you're you're talking about brian's famous Calvary guy. Yeah, yeah all, all the characters seem to have a little hero story to them, right? Yeah. You get that one standard bear that grounded that dragon one time and now he's got an now he's got a name for himself. And then you just develop faith in this guy. I'm like, you dare come to my back lines, my standard bear is there. Do you know what he this will guy smite has done? you. <laughs> Do you know what dragons he has conquered? Yeah. You're gonna find out. Yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> that was uh, that- funny. That first stream, I'm, I'm surprised how well that went because I apparently it didn't show, but I was so nervous. That was the first time I've ever been. Oh, I'm just getting on camera. You were, you were, you, you felt the, uh, the jitters. Oh yeah, I was like 
conscious but blacked out. <laughs> like <laughs> I rewatched that stream afterwards and I was listening to some of the words Brian was saying and I was like, I don't even recall uh, him saying I don't him remember him saying Was I even there? <laughs> but luckily I loosened up pretty quick and I had a good time. I think people like respond to authenticity when when you're creating content and part of that I think too when you're when you're making stuff like you say you got to make the stuff that you love because we're doing this out of love of the hobby and love of the game like we don't make any money on countercharge and won't ever monetize the show uh, and that's more of just like a moral thing too is that we don't ever want to this is something we do as part of our hobby and, and that we love so you got to love it and then there's a part of it too where you just got to like I do the episodes that I would find interesting or that or people I want to meet or whatever. And I hope people like them, but in the end, no one's ever, no, you're never going to make something that everyone likes. There's always going to be someone who has some, some uh, feedback or whatever about what you're doing. So some of that is just, you got to develop like a thick skin, I guess. But in the end, if you love it, I just, I make my episodes, I edit them, I put them out into the world and then I forget about it and just move on with my life. Yeah, you have to love it or mm. you're not going to stick with it, right? And I'm guilty of kind of hobby hopping. Like, I'll be super into, just like my armies, I'll be super into airbrushing one day and I'll be super into resin printing. And yeah, this is kind of keeping me grounded, I think, because it's, it's applying a lot of my interest into one. And uh, now I have viewers that are, hopefully looking forward to the next stream. So it's keeping me interested in, and engaged. Well, like I said, you're really filling a niche right now that for Kings we don't have, which is um, uh, live stream or, um, and again, I'm saying this not in a way to, to, to discourage anyone else who does battle reports because I love all your guys stuff and I watch all of it, but it is nice to, to when you're watching one that does have that high production value. And I think that's why, I mean, that's why uh, I th you've had a lot of early good feedback is because people are, are thirsting for content. I've also had a lot of questions, which is awesome. So hopefully this kind of inspires people to do similar things, uh, specifically about cameras. So hopefully we see yeah. more pop up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because so many of the other channels, maybe, maybe they have uh, beautifully painted armies and the, the game is strategic and whatever, but maybe just the camera's not as nice. Uh you know, so, and it's just like people take a break, you know, like Steve Death by Dragons was doing a bunch of games, but then he, you get involved in other things or like, you know, unfortunately we had Mastercrafted and then Jesse passed away and Kyle's been so busy working with Mantic. He hasn't really made any videos. So it's good to have like always someone new trying because as people sort of go in and out of interest, there's always the content to view. And I just love watching games on, I mean, that's to me is like, I, what, everyone has different things they like to put on the, in the background when they paint, whether it's a movie or whatever. And I just love putting on battle reports. Or like, so to me, it's like I go through all of them and it's like, okay, I'm going to watch Tyler's firefight video for the fourth time, or I'm going to go watch this one video I've seen 10 times already, but there's like no, nothing else to put on. So uh, that's funny. I, I had a guy make a comment about something that happened to the game and then like, 24 hours later, he made another one. And I'm like, huh, did he just watch that twice? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Because I think a lot of people just, you know, um, and thankfully where Kings is big enough that there is a lot of people doing uh, 
uh, battle reports. And there's a great channel down in Australia, Creaky Gamers, that Matt Croger is going to have an episode with. You know, oh, Riley just watched one of those last night. It was awesome. He's yeah. got this camera on a boom that he moves around and he's got all this sweet editing doing like little lightning bolt animations. Yeah. So his channel is great. Uh, Riley, uh, visibly Riley, you know, he does his battle report in a picture base, but the, the uh, still super interesting. So we have a lot of really great um, content producers, but no one really in that live stream where they're uh, you know, where you can chat and, you know, interact and, uh, so I think again, like you say, it's a it's an area that uh, there's space to have uh, more channels doing content for. Yeah, it's it's been fun. I I went out and bought a big used TV the other day, and I've put it up on the wall. I've got a little Chromebook that casts to it, and I make the the size of it like three hundred percent. So we got chat nice and big, so people cool. can watch it. Uh, yeah, and again, I'm just so happy that you got the Victoria Wargaming guys. You got you guys. You know, they're you know I I can't wait to see Dan Miner and and uh, you know all the Pacific Northwest guys at uh, uh, Masters. But I'm just happy that your your scene has survived COVID and come out like the other side stronger than what it was before in many ways. So I'm just I'm so happy you guys have been doing so well up there. I'm actually pretty new to the game this is just my first competitive season probably about a year into it and i hope uh uh like you said your experience has been one of people uh, really welcoming you guys into the hobby that's what i mean one of the things i love about king so much is everyone is just so uh welcoming and generous um that was the main pull really the group of guys that played are just awesome and i have a very addictive personality so this gets 100% of my attention until yeah. I present, I guess, one day, but I think it's going to last. <laughs> well, it's a great game. I mean, what I love about Kings, we've talked about it so much, uh, uh, the whole concept of a, a, a second to learn, lifetime to master, which is you very ever, rarely look in a book for rules, but yet every game is different. There's so much strategy. It's so deep. Uh, oh, yeah. You know? My first game, um, like I read the rules the night before, and I was like, okay, this is pretty straightforward. And then I had my first game and it was an eye-opening experience. Just experiencing the first movement phase. It's all in the movement phase, right? There's so much depth to it that you just don't see reading the rules. And you really, you really got to get those people to have their demo game to get them hooked. I think that's true because a lot of the feedback I've heard from the people who aren't interested and it's aren't interested specifically under that umbrella of the game's too simple is one they've never played it or they've never played it against a high level player um because they've been like oh this game's easy i gotta figure it out and i was like okay well go play someone go play a top echelon player and then all of a sudden it's like oh you know you're like okay i get it i get it now the game is incredibly deep Um, yeah or or at least let them have that first clash they're like okay so mm -hmm. i move up we charge each other great now what and they realize that now their flank or rear is showing like oh they're like, well, you could do this, or you could do this, and then it opens up their world <laughs> to the deck. Yeah, and it's just, there's, it seems like the the more modern miniature game is a little less about movement and a little bit more about synergies and maybe target uh, target order or whatever. So it's nice to play a game where the most important phase in the game is the movement phase. So mm-hmm. you're you're starting at the beginning of every turn with the most important choices that you have to make. Um, 
And, you know, speaking of like, you know, that idea of having to make those choices in the time we take, talk to me about, I, I also like that you guys instituted a clock. Talk to me about the decision to put a, a clock to have players using clocks. Oh, I love clock. I don't know. We're just competitive. We have a competitive bunch of people over here and uh, it adds another layer of competitiveness. Well, especially for you War Machine guys, right? Because I never played War Machine, but I've heard like if you clocked out in War Machine, right? You just died. Yeah, you just lose. You just lose. (laughs) (laughs) There's also tactics to slow people down. uh, People would take army lists that would make your opponent roll a lot. Just to make them run out of time on their clock. Oh, dude, that's so good. Yeah, no, it was pretty sleazy. (laughs) So So Kings of War is pretty good with the clock because when you're on the clock, it's your own turn. Yeah. But uh, War Machine, you can force clock out of people. Yeah, that's one thing I don't miss playing like uh, those other Uh, games. But we we love that kind of stuff. Uh, Yeah. We like to banter and talk crap with one another and rub it in when we win, but we don't really mean it, right? Oh yeah, it's all fun. And I imagine, um, are you guys, I tend to find, one thing, a couple things I notice is I love, um, I'm a blank base guy. So I really liked in your first game, you're using a lot of blank bases to look at angles. And, uh, you know, I I like that. I just think for people who are looking, because we get questions a lot about like, how do do I up my play or how do I get better? And that's always one that I I talk about is, is either marking your units or are using blank bases and think about your moves, you know, move a blank base and look at it and be like, okay, what do I see? What can I, what can I not see? Huge endorser of proxy bases. That's yeah. what us Canadians call them. Sure. Um, just and, get, one, get one under your base and then you can, you can practice, you can move your stuff all you want. You can always go back to where you were, no harm done. But if, as soon as you start moving things and you want to undo it and you don't know exactly where you were, then that kind of complicates things. Yes. Uh, and how are you guys? My my group and I found most tournament are high competitive players like to play. Um, or it's the idea of intention, right? Where you're stating your intention, where you move a unit and you're like, okay, my intention is I'm in your front. Does that look good to you? Okay, yes, you're in my front. Okay, good. And then you move on. So you kind of, you try to avoid those moments where you're like, oh, you're half a millimeter in, you know, but if you guys yeah. had agreed ahead, is that a play That's- style that you guys play that way? Absolutely. That's super good practice just to uh, confirm something with your opponent. Absolutely. Because uh, depending on who you're playing, they might not be as competitive as you. They might might not play the games for the same reasons. So it just helps to clear that stuff up. Yeah. And since you in Kings, you can measure at any time too. It just, it just feeds into that sort of a game of intention really. And that's not taking any, it's not like you have to tell your opponent, like, okay, I'm going to move over here because my strategy is I'm going to do this, this. It's more of like, okay, I'm moving over here. I'm, my intention is to be 18 inches out of you. So then that way you just avoid, you know, having to argue over the, the small things. <laughs> that's funny. It reminds me of this one guy we have here. He's really good. He talks everything out, probably to the point of fault. Um, <laughs> too much i'll just voice much. everything he's thinking and it's like i don't even have to think about the options of my own turner anymore because you've mm-hmm. told them to me <laughs> uh and i'm gonna get him on stream pretty soon here and it's, oh, it's gonna be, be entertaining as a viewer because you're just you're gonna be able to follow everything and i think there's a difference right there's a difference between let's say we're playing right and i'm like okay 
My intention is for this unit right here to be completely safe from your whole army. Is it safe? Then to say, my intention here is for this unit to be out of range of that unit. Because I don't want this or this to happen. Yeah, totally different things. Totally different. Because you're you're trying to ask me, ask me how I'm going to get you. Whereas I, instead of asking about specific things, so just know that when you're playing by intention, ask about specific stuff. Because if you just ask your opponent, okay, can this unit be charged by anything? I mean, that you that's a harder question to answer because you still have to play the game. There's still strategy in the game and you miss stuff or don't miss stuff. So I always never know how to answer those type of intention questions when someone asks like those really open-ended, like, how are you going to beat me? Tell me now so I can not let you do it. <laughs> I haven't run into that yet. Yeah. You know, it doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes you see that with like intention where it's like, and then also too, if it's like we, when we practice, when I, especially when I play a lot with um, Tom Annis from the spy master from Texas, and we talk a lot about like, okay, well I should maybe do this, but, and then we'll actually go back and forth. Well, what if you try this, you know, because that's the great thing about practice games really is that you're trying to learn. And it's not just like, I come from more, more, more competitive background too, where each practice game, I want to try to learn something from it so that the mm-hmm. next game I'm playing better or my list is better or, you know, it's, it's more refined. Right. You kind of just have to feel that out depending who you're playing. Right. Yeah. Maybe, you know, your opponent will want to have those kind of talks. Maybe you want to talk about it after the game, maybe during. Sure. So moving forward for the channel, you're sort of uh, as as far as what you're looking at, you're gonna you know you've talked a little bit about maybe exploring adding some more cameras. Is it still gonna be your goal to sort of I know uh, this next week is out, but still try try to hit that one game a week? Is that gonna be or one game every other week or what's sort of your goal moving forward over the next over the summer? Yeah, one game a week. Honestly, I would like to do more, but I I don't want to create a standard that I can't keep up with. Yeah, I don't want to burn out. So I think one game a week is uh, the magic number, and I'll try for that. And uh, I'm going to be working on a green screen situation next because I think that just opens up uh, a lot of fun design opportunities. I was thinking of doing, I don't know, some like animated spinny crown to put above the winner's head in post-game. <laughs> I don't know. The opportunities are endless once you get one of those. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, we'll do shout-outs, and we'll wrap up the show. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Luke from Luke's APS, listening to Counter Charge. This is the Spy Master, Dojo's Everyman, Handsome Tom Annis, and you're listening to Counter Charge. And we are back. So, Drew, I just want to thank you again for coming on to the show. You know, I really appreciate all the fellow content creators for Kings, especially ones that are really putting their their heart and soul to it, into it, which I think you can tell just from the very early days of your channel that you really care about trying to put out an enjoyable um, product. But um, as far as from your end, do you have any shout-outs you want to say to your buddies or any anything up there you want to give a shout-out for? You know, it's just to everyone, really, I, I really appreciate every guest that comes on because – they deserve most of the credit. Um, I guess shout out to Brian for being the first guest. Uh, cause I was, as I said, I was really nervous and I'm really comfortable around Brian and he's a funny guy and he made it quite easy for me. So thanks for coming on and breaking the ice. Yeah. And now we just got to get him into a, a, a winning winner circle here. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, he'll love that. Uh-huh. Cause he, he thinks he belongs there. Yeah, well... Um, no, Brian, you got to earn it. Yeah. 
got to get that. I always thought, I always tell my players is you got to get that seasoning. I remember like, you know, the first couple, uh, uh, years i was trying to play competitive i i was just getting creamed by everyone and it's just like a matter of just like practice makes perfect but and it's like having to see it it's like you guys it seems like you guys got a really good group of not just players but of like really solid good players and that's how you get good you got to play good people yeah well he is one of the good people um he brought a list that he hadn't touched in years and he hadn't even thought about it uh, anyway, um, I think we're taunting him, so he's going to oh. start bringing the heat. Yeah, well, good. that's good. <laughs> but uh, I got a couple other people that want to hop on, it. so we're going to make him wait. Uh, I think next we're going to have uh, Gareth and Tony. Yeah. And uh, all these people have many armies, too, so I think we're going to have a lot of variety. And then uh, events-wise, do you have any uh, events on your calendar, or is it just going to be Masters? Or do you have any uh, any events you're going to this summer? For me, it's just going to be Masters. Just going to try and focus on the stream and getting in some more Dwarf practice. I don't want to be on stream too much with my Dwarves, because I understand that it's a pretty boring list to watch play because I kind of just take the hit with my defense six ball and work my way out of that crummy situation. Yeah. As dwarves do, right? It's the, uh, it's the, you punch me and then I punch you back, but slightly more efficiently. So yeah, the way I play it at least. Well, uh, awesome. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up with the show. Make sure that if you guys are interested in taking part in the Mantic army challenge, that you take a look for the post on the Facebook page with that. Uh, Rob probably will have out an episode two before this one airs on all of uh, the people, the hosts, and then anyone in the audience who wanted to send in a little uh, audio clip of what you're doing uh, as far as what project you're going to be doing. I will be doing Empire of Dust and Asterians for Firefight, but I'm waiting for the Empire of Dust refresh to come out, which I don't know when that's coming. So most likely I will start with the Asterians and then also to. I'm going to have to do that quick because I still have so much stuff to paint for masters, but you know, stay tuned to the face for the, to the Facebook page. If you are interested in um, the, uh, the, the painting challenge for the Mantic army. Also uh, myself, Tyler Schultz and Kyle Timberlake are going to be doing some more firefight content uh, coming up, maybe one show a month, just to sprinkle a little sci-fi action in uh yeah, but there's tons of awesome, great Kings of War action for this summer. A bunch of great events. Masters is going to be amazing. We're going to have an episode with uh, Ryan coming up here shortly talking about Masters and talking about Best of the Rest. So if you're at all interested on that, reach out to Ryan or reach out to Dan Miner on Facebook if you guys are wanting to get more info about the Best of the Rest tournament. So, yeah, but it's going to be a fun summer. Lots of cool stuff. Um, both myself and my wife are going to be going up to Masters. She likes Seattle. So uh, we're going to be doing some exploring up there, you know, at the same time as uh, competing in the tournament. So, well, since you're going, maybe hopefully we'll get to play this year. That would be awesome. And if not, like I said, I want to try to, once, once you go through all your locals, let me know, and then I'll come up there and we'll get some games in. Oh, please. That sounds wicked. Awesome. Well, why don't you take us out? Thanks for having me on, Jeremy. Um, I loved it. And everyone, remember to keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on...
Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.